Seahawks fans, wherever you may be. Welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Seahawks fans, welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Opposite, sitting down with co-host Keith Myers. Uh, we're doing one show this week, uh, probably run a little longer than our normal shows. We didn't uh, get in here right after the game for our recap. So this is going to serve as a recap show on the Seattle loss against the Panthers. And then um, we're going to talk about our midweek stuff, a variety of topics. And then we're going to take a look at the Thursday night game where mm-hmm. the 49ers come into town to face off on the Seahawks. Probably the best case scenario for Seattle, just to jump right back in. Don't overthink this thing. Go out and play. See what happens. Yeah. Um, this is the Seahawks thought they were going to get a get right game um, playing against a bad Carolina team. And instead, they got exposed. Geno Smith picked the wrong week to have his worst game of the year. Um, and they got down 17, nothing early, uh, battled back, never actually got a lead, but battled back pretty well. Um, but then just could not get or stop, could not stop the run in any way. And eventually just got wore down. I mean, type of possession was two to one, um, in favor of Carolina and, Carol, Sorry, uh, Seattle possessed the ball for 20 minutes. Yeah. 20 minutes, crazy. It's, it's, Car- it Carolina 40 to 20. 46 times for 223 yards. That's kind of a pattern in case anybody hasn't really noticed. Seattle's given up like in the last five games. I have this written down. Uh, 960 yards rushing. In five games. Five games, yeah. That's, yeah, that's almost that's, 200 yards a game. It's right there at 200 yards a game. Yeah. Uh, that's unbelievably bad. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, really when you break it all down, you know, you heard Bruce Urban talk about it. Of course, Pete Carroll comes in and says, listen, you know, we got the guys, they know what they're doing. They studied. Uh, we worked on this, you know, we same thing every week. Um, what it comes down to is just doing it, you know, just having the mentality of not allowing anybody to do that to you. Um, but more than that, what it comes down to for me is we just lack the talent to be mm-hmm. able to get this done specifically. You know, when you take a look at a three, four defense, the most important position to anchor that entire thing is the nose tackle. You want a guy that's about 340 pounds to be able to two gap and take, you know, each side of the center that needs to be able to control that space, take on double teams, have offenses needing to double team him. We have a situation here in Seattle. We've got Al Woods getting a little older. Brian Monet is a big guy, but not, not athletic by, by any means. So you're having offenses choose not to double team those guys mm-hmm. and, and thereby creating gaps in almost every run play. There yeah. is at least and, one gap that's not covered yep. and allowing a, an offensive guard or the center to, to pull off 
of that of that situation and get into our linebackers and all of a sudden you're having four or five yards before a ball carrier is even touched and consequently you're seeing a lot of linebacker tackles but they're you know way past the line of scrimmage so i would say in this game they they did do some double teaming not of the nose tackle for the most part but of the ends right so you've got um you know quentin jefferson in there getting double teamed which uh he doesn't need to, a double team to no. block him but they push him back so far that it prevents uh the linebackers from being able to get to the hole because essentially they're blocking him into um and creating traffic for the linebackers it it is just bad it was just bad um it's a physical <laughs> domination is what what we're seeing it's not like um I, I like these guys. I mean, these are great guys. I think there is a better fit for, for most of the guys that we're going to talk about in this defense in a 4-3 style defense. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to a 3-4, that anchor is so critical to everything else. Everything else builds off of that um, from how the linebackers read, uh, the plays, diagnose stuff. So what's happening is nobody's really able to completely trust that their other teammates are doing their jobs correctly and so they're you're seeing a lot of hesitation a lot of feeling of wrong uh holes uh guys getting completely blocked out of um of space and it's just a wreck it's a wreck right now and it's i don't necessarily think it's a bad scheme it's a good scheme with the wrong personnel and it's the first year of a rebuild and my frustration i think what if you're going to put anything on the coaching staff per se is that they implemented this thing too soon too quickly full bore hey we're going to go from four three to three four without having the right personnel to actually make that happen and it takes more than one off season to, to, to really do that unless you've got guys already on the roster that are athletically inclined and really fast uh at your safety positions and linebackers and then up front at least you've got you know one big huge stout guy that you can kind of put in there and you can build around we just didn't have that and we still don't uh we still don't. like like we still the, don't. even with the offseason and bringing in al woods they they're the guy those guys aren't there um really the only person on the roster on the defensive line that i like in a three four is uh Toby Harris. Well, maybe uh, Shelby. Uh, yeah, but Shelby. Shelby. Yeah, he can. He can do this stuff too. He's athletic enough that he can do just about anything. But he's also good in a four-three. He's good as a one-gap penetrator. Um, yeah, I disagree but, a little bit with you on Puna. I'll be completely honest. I've just seen him so overwhelmed. But he's not. There's nobody else around him. You know, that's he's one of those guys that's getting double teamed a lot. Uh, and yeah, he is getting overwhelmed, but it's 600 pounds of body pushing 300 pounds of body. You're not going to win that yes. very often. And that's why so. he's slightly out of position. I mean, you're putting him as a, as a defensive end in this system. And I just don't know about his athleticism at that spot. Yeah. Any, anyway. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, I don't think it's lack of effort. I don't think it's lack of strength. Uh, or or character or the wrong scheme it's just in this particular system it, it calls out a certain 
type of player and we just don't have those you know but on this what team. happened what happened to the switching to a one gapping attacking defense that they did for a month mm-hmm. and the defense looked really good yeah, and they've gone know. away from as this as the run defense has fallen off here in the last five weeks. They've gone away from that uh, that one gapping attacking defense. Where'd that go? Why why move away from something that's working really well? Well, especially since they know what what they do have is not working, so they should be doing everything they can to help these players. And if that means going back to a four three, I mean literally get back to a four three this year, finish out the year strong. Um, that's what they should be doing. You know, you've got guys like Daryl Taylor is completely neutralized as a human being in this game because he just doesn't fit. He's a 4-3 in. He's not a 3-4 outside linebacker where he doesn't have his hand on the ground. He's just not. Mm-hmm. And so you end up with a, a bunch of guys like that. Like Boye Mafe was drafted, you know, I, I assume to fit this scheme, but he, he can't really – he doesn't have any effect because he's not, he doesn't have any protection around him, you know? Yeah. He's a good fit for a, a, a three, four, like all of his, um, his athleticism will not go to waste there. Um, same with Brooks in the middle. Uh, but I yeah, agree. I just, think our linebackers are good. If and, they're, yeah. if they've got a stout guy in front of them, they need, they need more help by the front. Um, and, yeah. and that's, that's a lot of the problem. They, they need more help from the guys up front and they're just not getting it. But like you said on this on this game, Gino picked the a bad game to have a an off game, mm-hmm. um, and and that just shows you just how low the um it, it is the, the difference between winning and, and losing at, at, on this team right now. It's just it's Gino Smith, and if Gino's off at all, it's it because guys are going to run on us. Uh, the the time of possession is going to be off. You know, if Gino doesn't have those two interceptions, we probably win this game. Yeah. And that's with like 40 yards rushing. You know, Carolina had um, as many rushing attempts as we had yards. <laughs> that's awful. Um, but yeah, uh, Travis Homer, nine carries, 26 yards. Um, Jones had one carry for two yards. That's it from the running backs. In fact, they only had one other run. That was a um when you fall a, behind 17 nothing. Yeah. Fly sweep to Goodwin for negative two yards. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is my go-to when betting on the NFL this holiday season. They offer same game parlays, easy and fast payouts, and player prop options. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets, like which team will win, player props, point totals, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN, place a $5 bet on any team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Yeah. So it's uh, broken. It's broken. I mean, yeah. when the defense is that broken, 
and um, and then you add you add a mistake, which compound it. The, the turnovers, you're you're then giving their offense another opportunity against our bad defense. It's ju it just is is almost impossible to overcome it, even when you play a really bad team that's inferior. And I believe the Panthers are on any given Sunday. We go out and play our good uh, good game against them. I think we we win. But our, I'm so concerned about our defense now, Keith. <clears throat> I've gone from being you know semi optimistic here about the, the chances, unless there's some completely huge hundred percent full on three sixty turnaround with this defense. Um, we're not doing anything. We're not going to the playoffs. We we might lose the rest of our games. I mean, it's that bad right now. And those guys need to go in and fix it and have a little bit of pride. I like even if they don't win this game coming up against San Francisco, um, I'd like to have them have a little bit of pride and mm -hmm. go in there and at least get into a dogfight with this team. Um, stand up at home, push them around a little bit, get physical, uh, stop the, you know, have some plays behind the line of scrimmage, so, so some enthusiasm, try not to turn the ball over yourself and get in this game. Um, at least give yourself a chance. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> I mean, the you'd like to think that they have a chance to go. They're they're going in against a third string uh, quarterback who is a rookie quarterback, seventh round draft pick. Um, and they're you'd not like to asking see, him to do a lot. They're just asking him to. Yeah, not you'd turn think you'd think that going into a game against a third string quarterback who's rookie, seventh round pick, that they would have a a pretty good feeling for being able to win this. I I don't I don't I let's just transition into the preview. I don't see this as something that this defense can do. Yeah, I do actually. And and what I mean by that is <clears throat> as physically challenged as Seattle is right now with the scheme and personnel. I think if as long as they is if they can focus on just gap integrity and and player assignments and just play those and um cancel gaps like right now uh, we're just not able to do it with a single nose tackle i think we do need to have a four three alignment to be mm -hmm. successful at all and i think they need to switch to that i think this idea of putting in a, a, another defensive back i don't think at the beginning of games you, you can do that um teams are going to run on us uh, the last five or six weeks has proven that. I think San Francisco would be foolish to come out and try to throw with a rookie quarterback like that against the Seahawks defense. Why? You know, go ahead and and, uh, and put McCaffrey out there every single play and just see what happens. Um, so I think you just got to love that box and, and then adjust if they do something different. But the, you've got to have seven guys, eight guys in the box until oh, yeah. proven otherwise. Uh, yeah, you gotta with with Purdy in there as the quarterback. You've got to have guys up at the line of scrimmage. You've got to you've got to sell out to just st stop the run, because you know at least on one side of the field you've got Woolen. Even if he gets beat, he has the ability to catch up and make a play. Um, you know, on the other side, you rotate Diggs over closer to Jackson and you uh, cover that side, and you just. I don't think you have to worry about anything going over the top. I, I this this weird fear of getting beat over the top is is fine and dandy. I get that, but we've reached a point in the season where 
you can't be worried about that stuff. It doesn't happen very often, especially against a, a quarterback like this. You, you, you're hopeful to, to take away some of those short yardage gains too, like on third down and short. You, you've been running successfully so much against us. Third down conversion rates are 51% against us right now. That's, yeah, that's we're scary. like 28, 29th in the league right now against mm-hmm. third down. Um, and it's just, it's just awful. We've got to figure it out. Otherwise, I mean, and that's fine. That's what this season is for, is figuring it out. We kind of got excited there for, for four or five weeks when things looked like Seattle was maybe better than advertised and we were in first place in the division. We were in the driver's seat. We were actually a third seed uh, in the playoffs and looked like you know we were going to control our own destiny. Now, now they've so lost much. three out of four. They've lost now, three out of four. And now it seems like everything is on the table again as far as the offseason. Mm-hmm. And, and we're just trying to evaluate players. It'd be nice to be able to have a schematically sound defense in order to be able to properly um, evaluate what's going on with player personnel as opposed to scheme. And I don't know. They can figure out the scheme part of it and this coaching thing in the offseason. That's fine. That's another conversation. But to evaluate players, you need to at least be able to operate within some sort of structure. And right now, it's hard to even figure out where the problems are. I, I just know, based on watching football for a long time, that it starts at the nose tackle and the three tech, and then it works out from there and back. And right now, our integrity, our gap integrity is awful. Our linebackers are not protected. Um, our ends are being asked to do things that they're just not capable of because they're yeah, not of, built to do. Scheme. Yeah, and so it's it's tough. Now, our back end seems to be holding up just fine. I think we're, we're good there. But everything else is, is a cluster. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about the 49ers. Um, because I just want to burn the the whole Carolina thing. It, it, everybody's talked about it at this point. By the time you've watched this show, it's it's been a few days. Uh, I don't think that we need to rehash that. Um, so let's talk about the 49ers. Um, it's it, it's a good team. I mean, they're more talented than we are. They're in a position yeah. now where they're going to take the division um, if they win even probably another couple of games. And uh, since we are two games now back, um, what are you expecting from them? They're on the road. They haven't been as good on the road as they've been at home. Six and one at home, three and three on the road. Uh, they're a good defensive team. The clearly, probably the best defensive team, I think, in the NFC. And on the offense, they've been scoring enough points. I mean, they're, you know, they're probably the second best team in the NFC West um, compared to, say, Seattle, which I think is the best offensive team in the NFC West. But 49ers are a complete team. Yeah, I mean, you've got uh, talent all over that roster, especially on defense. Um, and it's you're going to see, um, it's going to be hard for Seattle to do anything offensively. And it doesn't matter if the, if the running backs come back healthy this week because it's going to be hard for Seattle to do anything offensively. Yeah, and, and we saw that the first time when we played them. Yeah, where we did nothing offensively the entire game, and they pretty much just ran all, all over us. But yeah. the um, it's three and out fast. Yeah, um, it it's going to be like that again, um, just simply because if you if Seattle, if you can't run the football, if you can't, um, you know, protect Gino, 
you're not doing much and and that's going to be a problem i think offensively as well i'm going to say i'm going to i'm going to say that we're going to be right in this game you know the the nfl's weird it's like you can be really awful on sunday and come back on thursday and look like a completely different team and i expect that actually from seattle in this game because of just pride Geno Smith, uh, you know, is a guy that that doesn't want to make those mistakes. I think he's going to be a little bit more conservative. He even talked about it at the press conference saying, hey, you know, I've been pressing a little bit, uh, trying to carry this team. He didn't say that out loud, but that's kind of what he was implying. I've made some some throws that I shouldn't have made and um, need to dial it back a little bit, get this thing kind of under control, not, not turn the ball over so much. I expect them to do that. Hopefully Ken Walker comes back. They give him a chance. Um, I think our interior offensive line is still a, a problem, but those guys need to come and, and, and battle. And they know they've mm-hmm. had this thing circled for a long time. It's a re- revenge game. Um, and, and see what they're made of and see if they can kind of push this thing down the road. I'm not so wor- much worried about our offense against their really good defense. I think we're going to have opportunities. My concern is on the defense, uh, obviously, with Seattle. And, but then again, we're facing a quarterback uh, in Purdy who doesn't have a lot of experience. Um, they're going to be conservative in their play calling. And I think Seattle should anticipate that load up that box, mm-hmm. you know, eight guys, nine guys, leave our guys back in isolation. I would even bring digs up, you know, because I don't know that they're going to give Purdy the opportunity to, to throw over the top against them. And I think we've got some corners that have the ability to at least permit that and just stop just sell out like you said sell out stop the run first and then see what happens yeah uh, i'm looking at 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 the defense because th- this defense is great and uh you know 36 sacks on the year i'm like oh that's a lot but then you look at the numbers and you're like wow that's spread out over a lot of different guys they have one good pass rusher uh and nick bosa who's leading the nfl in, in sacks at the moment um the second best uh, pass rusher they've got has four. Mm-hmm. I mean, they—that's it. They—they they, and then a guy at three and a half. Um, and then you're down into random players at at non-pass rush positions that occasionally uh, blitz or something. Uh, it, you've got one guy. You know that's the most important player to block. Uh, when it, if you're going to drop back to pass. Do yes. not put do not let him go one on one against one of the rookie tackles. Yes, the rookie tackles have been great. Especially also, in the second half. <laughs> we we also have uh some really good tight ends that can help them. And against a guy like Bosa, get um uh, you know, give him some help. Yeah. Make Disley go in and uh, you know, chip him and, and or start with the double team and then release uh, and out for the, some, something. Some, uh, what do they call it? 13 personnel? Yeah. Where they've got two running backs as well. No, that would be uh, 23. 23. 20, 23. So, um, yeah. I mean, there's I, I'm not so concerned in this game, to be completely honest. We're playing on house money anyway. This is a team that's coming in that, kind of wants to wrap up the division and Seattle's fighting, you know, and mm-hmm. I expect a fight. I, I think Seattle 
for all that's that's gone on, it's still a prideful team. They got players that are like Bruce Irvin, um, that that's a vet out there. Diggs, Quandre Diggs, he's had kind of a down season, but he's a prideful vet. These are guys that don't want to get run over and have been. And I, you know, they are taking pride in at least putting this thing together, and I expect them to. So I'm I'm thinking close game in in this game for some reason. I what do you think? They, what do you think they do at quarterback in the offseason? Because you've Seattle? got no uh, the 49ers. Because you've got uh, Trey Lance who didn't look great and then hurt his oh, knee. You got to run. And, uh, you got to run with Trey Lance. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is a uh, free agent. He's got a clause in his contract that says they cannot tag him. Um, so he is free to go wherever the money is. Um, and people are talking about Brock Purdy and how that he looked really calm and steady, even though he didn't have put up big numbers, uh, in this game, in, you know, last week's game. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you do? I, Cause if, if Purdy stays in there and he, I mean, he's going to be the guy if, if they, well, let me ask up- you this, does Purdy have the arm? to do what Kyle Shanahan wants to do on offense. Now we've seen because Jimmy, that Kyle Shanahan can win games with Jimmy Garoppolo and Mm -hmm. and basically a placeholder style quarterback. Who's a middling kind of guy that doesn't turn the ball over. And if they found that in Brock Purdy, um, they may elect to let Jimmy Garoppolo go just because they've tried that for so long and, and the injuries kind of pile up and, and, and so forth. If they found a younger version of that, I still give Trey Lance the ball, you know, the first snap in September next year. And then you've got Brock Purdy back there. I mean, that seems like a pretty decent thing for them. But if, if Purdy leads this team into the playoffs, let's say they, and they win a playoff game, I mean, the roster's talented enough. They should go deeper than that. But um, they, they do that with, you know, this rookie. And you've got uh, you're going into uh, training camp with a quarterback controversy because there are people who are going to be like, we've seen this kid for two years so. and he's no. not ready. Yeah, Purdy reason, led us last year. So the reason that I don't think so is that Purdy seems to be like the Jimmy Garoppolo kind of quarterback, and Trey Lance is a difference maker, a, a field tilter, and. I know for a fact that Cal Shanahan wants to have the complete open playbook um, with downfield opportunities and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And and Trey Lance gives him that. And so I would, I would still lean in that direction. Yeah, I would as well, but we aren't in that locker room. Guys want to win and they don't want to develop Trey Lance. That's the interesting part of this equation is they are definitely a win now team with a mm-hmm. wide open Super Bowl roster, but the quarterback thing is weird. So that, that, that's an interesting, that's an interesting conundrum from them. And what, what do the Rams do at quarterback? The yeah, Baker, I don't, I don't Baker know. Mayfield as QB yeah, one. I'm not in LA. sold on that. I don't think you are either, <laughs> but, but it, it is an interesting, um, thing because I just don't know where Matthew Stafford is. Obviously he's getting a little more susceptible to being banged up, but I don't necessarily think his career is over. Um, 
you know, I don't know how severe that injury was. I think they basically just tried to shut him down because their record was such that I think that's where they were at in, in the season. Um, but I still think he comes back and, and is their starter next year. Okay. Um, so now let's move on to Arizona for the same question because Kyler Murray hasn't been, hasn't been Kyler Murray this year. He blows out a knee next year. If he does come back, he won't be explosive. Does his game translate if he doesn't have the ability to run and stretch plays? And if he doesn't, if it's, you know, do you go, okay, we need him a hundred percent before he plays. That's going to be mid season at the earliest. Oh, I don't know. I think it's an ACL in, in December, Keith. I think that um, as a quarterback, I think he's going to be ready to go to September 1st. However, uh, he may not be as athletic as he was in, in November 2022. So if you take a slightly less athletic Kyler Murray that can still operate within an offense, maybe it actually does them of service because he's – been asked to run all over the place and maybe it it allows that team to play within a more structured offense and maybe that's what they need um i don't i don't know it certainly hasn't been working for them it didn't work for them this year last year they started eight and one the year before that they started eight and one or whatever it was and they fade down the stretch and i'm not a huge kyler murray guy i i, I think talent wise i think he's he's good but between the years he really bothers me as an immature player and so i'm not sure if he's ever going to be the answer for them but his athleticism has carried the team as far as the offense goes for for a while and maybe without that they play a more more structured game and they work it works for them i don't know can he do that yeah i think you could i think you know if you if you take a look at some of the that you would have to have some, you know, some structure. So you would have to have, you know, your blocking and, and uh, maybe an extra running back in or a, or a tight end um, to give him a little extra protection and kind of get the ball out quicker, which which I think he's capable of. They sling the ball all over the place. They've got a couple of good tight ends. Um, I think so. I think so. I don't know. Um this what happens when you take away russell wilson's athleticism and his ability to make people miss and stretch out plays and all those things yeah it's hard to compare those two but it's actually i I don't think what you're saying i don't think it's hard to compare the two they're both um undersized short quarterbacks who make a living extending plays and kind of backyard football uh and then have tremendous arms what makes them look great it's yeah it's why there's some that the why, for sure. like yeah kyler watch kyler murray it's like watching a young russell wilson in that they're both really fun and they they don't operate inside the structure of an offense very well and what denver is learning this year is that wilson without his athleticism being asked to operate within the structure of an offense isn't working yeah, and I, I, I don't know if that's entirely fair, but I will I, I'll say this. Yes, this year it didn't work. I, I'm I'm not familiar enough with the intricacies of that offense and his, you know, his offensive line and what he's been asked to do. Um, we we know from history 
that Russell Wilson holds on to the ball and looks for longer plays to develop rather than mm-hmm. a short, quick hitting game. But I think Russell Wilson would be an excellent quarterback if he was in a quick hitting offense. Let's just say Tom Brady's offense. I think he could do that if if that's what he was asked to do and he was willing to do it. I don't know if he's even willing that, to do it. That's the part. I mean, um, so Kyler Murray, I don't know if he's willing to do it, but if he was limited and he knew he was limited, maybe he would be. Yeah. I mean, I look at which of those two players has, is more mature between the ears, willing to do the study, put in the work, grind the tape um, to make sure they're getting it right. That's a very interesting question. And of those you would, two, you would think Russell it's Wilson. Russ. It's yeah. Russ. And yeah, so if, but at the same time, his ego is about twice as big as Keller Murray's too. That's been proven out. So I don't that's, know. That's that's fair. Um, I don't know. I I just look at. I just see see a lot of parallels. Uh, I was thinking why, about this. Yeah. Um, why have you? Why have you kind of? You you've asked about three NFC West teams. I'm curious as to what your. I, I ask it well because that's their it's the division and it's the quarterback situation in this division looked coming into the the year it was like everybody's set but Seattle and Seattle is a mess at quarterback they're not going to be competitive and they're not going to be for a while because they can't solve the the most important position. I ask you about all three of the teams because there's massive questions right now about the quarterback position of all three of those teams. No, there's still massive questions in Seattle because they have to re-sign Gino. But out of all the quarterbacks in the division, Gino's played the best this year. Yeah, if I was, if I was a, a, an executive for each team, I would feel the most anxiety if I was the 49ers general manager because they have the most to lose, because they're the most ready team right now to compete for a Super Bowl as far as a roster is concerned. Mm-hmm. And they've got this unsettled thing going on at quarterback. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, it, it, he's likely gone, but they could sign him. Uh, they've got this rookie guy, who knows? And then Trey Lance. Now, Trey Lance is the, is the thing. It's like he's got one more year, even though he hasn't been on the field this year. He's got another year of study. He's been around the offense, you know. Next year is, is do or die for him, to me, in this offense, because – they're ready now. They can't wait for him to develop. They need to either be ready with him or they need to move on and they need to do it quick because their roster's ready. Move on to what? Move on to plan B, whatever that is. Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, maybe they'd make a trade for, you know, with Green Bay to get Aaron Rodgers in. I don't know. Whatever it is, they need to do it quick because. When you have a roster like this and the window's open, they've got two or three years, maybe less, even if they don't have a quarterback. If you're John Lynch, you're the for, you're the uh, GM for the 49ers, and you're looking at this roster and all the problems, do you find a trade partner for Trey Lance and try and sign Geno Smith? Oh, man. No. I do not do that deal because <clears throat> Trey Lance is what twenty five um, next year, and Geno Smith is going to be thirty four. That's it. Yeah, but you're just saying they're in win now mode. They, they are in win season. now. Can Geno gotta... Smith take the Forty ers roster to the Super Bowl? That's the question. Can um, Geno Smith, um, if 
if Jimmy Garoppolo could take the 49ers roster to the Super Bowl, Geno yeah. Smith can. Yeah. Yes. Possibly. And the only reason I put a little possibly on there is because Geno Smith's more prone to, to turnovers and that would kill um, Kyler or not Kyler, but um, their, their coach. I mean, Shanahan. He, yeah. yeah, Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan. You can't have that. And so I don't know. I don't Gino, know. Gino, he had two interceptions in this game. It's his first multi-interception game. He only had, what was it, six coming or seven? He's been playing well. I'm not, um, I'm, I'm just saying he takes a little bit more chances. He's got a little bit bigger of an arm, obviously, than, than Jimmy Garoppolo. It could be the difference for them. I mean, that could, in fact, get them there. You'd have to have some pretty sizable cojones as as John Lynch to make a deal something. Now, I'm not saying it's a straight deal, Trey Lance for uh, Geno Smith, but you would that's essentially what it would be. Is yeah, on their about. on their roster, that's what it is. Because yeah, you right. now it would be it would be Trey Lance or it would be Geno Smith because you'd sign him as a free agent and right. get whatever draft capital yes, you get for Trey right. Lance. Not, Some, not necessarily with Seattle. But a rebuild a rebuilding team will send would you a couple Seattle draft picks, so. be interested in Trey Lance. Uh probably if yeah see that if, that that would makes it really interesting. If Gino gets inside the shipped, division. If Gino gets shipped or not who gets shipped, he's gonna be a free agent. Um but if Gino doesn't sign with Seattle, Seattle elects not to tag him and he goes to San Francisco. Um yeah, I mean and More, talk about a cloudy one. situation. I don't know that <laughs> yeah. If you're San Francisco and you and Trey Lance coming off an injury and you sign Geno Smith in the offseason doesn't necessarily dictate that, that Trey Lance is off the roster. But if they made that decision mm-hmm. to be able to get draft capital to build their roster around Geno, that's a very interesting conversation to have. There'll be many interesting conversations in February mm-hmm. with Geno Smith because, boy, that thing could go two or three different ways. You know a team that has a really good defense but needs a quarterback? Denver. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, I almost got through that with a straight face. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and it's it's crazy because you and I both sat here in May, June, and July, talked about our defense to the point where I thought we were going to have a top 10 defense. And we were just going to figure out that quarterback thing, and that was going to be the way it was. And now it's now since we've went through that four game win streak and things have kind of fallen off a little bit more, it's hard to um, it's hard to completely fall off of Gino's bandwagon because not all of this has been his fault. The lack of running game, et cetera, the defense taking the ball away from the offense. It's just created a situation where now Gino's wins, pressing a little bit, and it's wins are not a quarterback stat; they're a team stat. Yeah, um, look at what a look at what a quarterback but does to help your team. Listen, win. we're Gino number two pick. Problem. You told me in September, you, and we were looking at the potential of having some sort of top five pick. We thought it was going to be ours. Mm-hmm. You and I said, "What if Gino plays well?" and and you said you still go get a quarterback because franchise quarterbacks don't grow on trees. And if you're top, picking at the top of the draft, it's that's your what only you do because it's the most important position in football, period. Mm-hmm. What do you do now, Keith? What if um, we're picking number two 
you've got the choice of the top three quarterbacks available. You what take you, Marcus Stroud, you, you don't, get, or, and you, or you don't have think Jaylen twice about it. Carter sitting there. I, I think you take Marcus Stroud, and you don't even think about it. I know Jalen Carter sitting there. I CJ uh, Stroud, you mean? Yeah. Is yeah. that what I said? Uh, Mark, you said Marcus. Um, I think that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I I'm not completely sold on Stroud being the best prospect. I want to go through the process for sure in the offseason to, to know that for sure. But I'm not sure if he's like the, the franchise answer any more than, say, Will Levis is. Well, I, you go you go into the offseason and you're, you trust your scouts and you trust your, you know, uh, people. That, but if you're sitting there at number two and you have your choice, you take the best one and you don't worry about it. You don't what think if, about what it. if Carter? What if Carter's their number one prospect on the big board? Does it matter? What if they re-sign Gino? And, and See, that's the thing is is the 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 draft happens after free agency. They'll probably tag Gino Smith um, with the non-exclusive uh, franchise tag, and then. Um, yeah, then you are like, okay, now you've got a quarterback in play. I still think you're not going to be picking at the top of the draft um, again. If you have a, if one of those guys you believe is a franchise quarterback, you take them. Um, you have Geno for a year. You can trade Geno after that um, and move on. And it becomes a, a situation a lot like Alex Smith. Uh, in Kansas City, where he, you know, mentored this, you know, kid Patrick Mahomes. You might have, um, mm -hmm. you might have heard of him, and uh, then moved on. And I think that Seattle could be in that kind of situation. That's why I'm thinking. The closer this thing gets, that as we go through this process, go through all the All Star games, go through the combine, get close to the draft. You're going to watch Anthony Richardson rise up boards. And it would not surprise me or shock me if he's Seattle's number one quarterback on oh, their no. board. No. And not because he no. can play today, but because he's got the most upside and the most I... talent and the most closely resembling um, Allen from Buffalo in this draft. I disagree. And, with I, that. and I know for a fact that john schneider loved alan as a yeah. prospect and um, he's gonna I love richardson for the same I, reasons i don't think that richardson is and alan wasn't ready either no I, i'm not saying ready i don't think that richardson is is the same type of quarterback as josh allen i don't think that he is um he has some he of the, he's he's at best josh allen light He's not well, currently. Yeah, I mean, Josh Allen wasn't Josh Allen until he put no. I mean, just physicality-wise, he's not as big. He's not as strong. He doesn't have as big of an arm. Okay, we're going to revisit this conversation <laughs> in, in in two and a half months. But no, um, if CJ if CJ Stroud is available, he's he certainly is... a winner, Keith. But I'm 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 going to say right now that he is, does not play in an NFL style offense. 
Who cares? And that offense is designed specifically to make him look good in a one-read situation. It's very easy. Vanilla, his receivers are the best in the country, and they're wide open every play. And um, guys like Will Levis had a horrible offense, had a horrible offensive line, had no weapons, played within a structure, though, that was completely designed to allow him to make decisions at the line of scrimmage, change plays, et cetera. He's way more ready, NFL ready, than Stroud is. I'm just saying, you, now, talent-wise, they could be completely off, but I'm just saying Will Levis is ready. But you don't, you're not drafting a year right one now. starter. You draft. You have Geno on the roster. You can draft a guy and develop him. We'll know Steve, by the draft if we have Geno on the roster. Jay Stroud has the higher upside. It's, it's I possible. Would, I'll, I'll I gotta, I gotta really study this. I, gotta, I I've really watched, do. I've watched Richardson play a couple games. My, um, I have not done a, obviously a full, a full. Um, I haven't either. Know, a, a full yet. tape uh, viewing and 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 all of that. I've watched him play a couple games, but I was be much below impressed uh, in both of Me those too. games. Yeah. I at this point, I wouldn't touch him. Well, he fourth looked better. Th- he looked better. Fourth in round pick. There's a reason yeah. that he's a first round draftable talent, and uh, I want to just to go see that for myself. He's got tremendous okay. athletic upside. I really do believe that. It's just. He, he only completed 55% of his passes. You know, mm-hmm. to me, that's a red flag alone, um, he, among he, others. He was not accurate. Short, not accurate. Middle, not accurate down the field. Um, and his offense was very much a one read. If it's not their run. I'm offense. hearing some some guys out there talk about Jalen Carter as a defensive tackle, three-tech potentially, in this draft as being as close to who's your favorite player cortez kennedy well not cortez kennedy who's the who's the active guy in, on the rams <laughs> aaron donald aaron donald um, he's as close yeah. to aaron donald as, as they've as they've seen in the last 10 years or so so if you got a guy sitting there uh, and, and the way that our defense is, is looking now and you've got gino on the roster I don't know that I necessarily go out and get Stroud because he's sitting there at two or whatever. I, I think I do best player available, especially if it's on the defensive side and a game record type type guy that, that we know for a fact is the answer to build your defense around. That might be the guy. And then you take Richards at uh, 21 or wherever Seattle's yeah. at and pray, Possibly. pray that he's not awful. <laughs> Yeah, or you develop him. I mean, certainly that gives you an opportunity to develop him. You know, when you do have two first-round draft picks, you do have an opportunity to kind of use that second one on a potential franchise quarterback. So, I mean, here's the deal. Um, You you have to trust your process, you know, at that point. You have to trust that that's the guy that they like and they love, and they're going to go with that. Um, But other than that, I don't know enough yet to know if that would be the suitable draft pick or not. I would double up personally on the defensive side. That's just me. The defense is so bad right now. All I want is defensive linemen in the draft. <laughs> yeah, that's it. that was me on the offensive line for years, especially when Tom Cable was screwing up Seattle's Super Bowl window. Is I'm like, just drop draft offensive line in every single round. <laughs> And hope that a couple of them are good enough to play. Um, it's funny because 
he can evaluate guys and they've given him power. Um, so just give him a whole bunch and hope that a couple are good. <laughs> you know, what's really going to tick you off this, this year is that their first pick, I, I think is going to be great. They're drafting second or third or fifth top five, probably they could trade down out of that. I don't know if that necessarily matters. We'll see with that second pick though. If they draft uh, John Robinson, the, the running back out of Texas, and the only reason I say that is I don't want them to necessarily draft him there, but I, I think that they miss Rashad Penny more than they would ever admit out loud. I think that that Walker is great for them, but he's a different type of runner. I don't necessarily think that he's finesse. He doesn't have that vibe to him but he doesn't have that overwhelming 235 pound physicality that Rashad Penny had um, not only the physical nature in between the tackles, but he could break that thing away too. And this is the other, this is that kind of a running back where he's just going to be a, a, a good physical player with breakaway speed and catching the ball out of the backfield and stuff. I think he's, he's that good to go early in the, in the first round. I just don't know if Seattle, makes that pick but they've proven that they they're not afraid to pick their players and he might he might be the one but that would that would that would be my wild card pick but i wouldn't want to see that pick until like the first pick in the second round if they're going to go do something like that or or the second pick the The other the other name to watch and i want you to kind of do the research on this too is paris johnson jr the offensive tackle out of ohio state I'd see him moving inside. And so he might be a good right guard candidate for this team as a potential second pick in the first round. Yeah, I want to see what he does at the combine. Um, I don't know if he is as athletic as people are saying. Um, And because if he was, he'd be at tackle. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so there's a reason why people are starting to, to, to say go inside. It's not just the arm length. Um, I want to see what he does. I, I think I like him as a guard a lot, more, a lot more than I like him as a tackle. Um, I think Seattle's going to be able to find their, uh, their interior. I think they're going to be able to find on both sides of the ball, uh, in the trenches guys in this draft. Um, you know, at the top of the draft and then, the, you know, up through about round four, there's some really good players at center and offensive guard on the offensive side. And on the defensive side, there's some really good uh, run stuffing type defensive tackles and, and a couple upside um, three tech types as well. Um, so I'm kind of excited about this draft. It'll be interesting to see what they do. So um, let's do let's do predictions. We got away from San Francisco because I wanted it to. Um, direct this conversation into a, Hey, look at how awful the division has turned out to be <laughs> um, mode, but let's do predictions for San Francisco. What do you got? See, I, I think it's going to be a, a tough game for both teams to score a lot of points and move the ball up and down the field. I think Seattle somehow gets their, their defense uh, stiffening up in this game. And I think, you know, limiting San Francisco to around 300 yards of total offense, you know, 40% of the conversion rate on third downs, that sort of a thing. 
I really do think that they just kind of come into this thing and, and, and improve overnight, quote unquote. On the offensive side, I'm a little worried. I think it's going to come down to turnovers. And I want Gino to have a good game. And I think if he does, they, they're in this thing. And so I'm thinking like 20 to 17. And I'm going to give it to Seattle. Seattle's going to have a revenge game here. They're going to win at home. They, they, they've dropped three games at home already this year. They're, they've got three of their remaining four games at, uh, at home. And they need to, they need this game. They need this game, I think. Um, not just to get in the playoffs this year, but I think they need it to just kind of reset the tone of the team and the defense. And, um, and that's, that's kind of what I'm feeling on a Tuesday evening before so Thursday night game. Christian McCaffrey is a unique player at running back. At least Debo. I mean, I don't want injuries, but Debo's not there. Debo Samuel's not there. That that changes that, that removes a big chunk of their offense because a lot of it was designed around him. Um, but Christian McCaffrey is a unique type of running back with a ton of speed and a lot of open field ability. Mm-hmm. Um and I can see him giving Seattle a lot of trouble. Me too. Um, without Samuel there, though, Brian um, Ayuk's the only other receiver that I, he's like the only receiver that I really would worry about. McCaffrey's going to probably get eight or nine catches. Yeah, on top but, of the runs, you know, McCaffrey's going to be Purdy's best friend. Yep. And Ayuk is going to be a guy that's, you know, a dump off option dump in, in the middle. But um, McCaffrey's going to get 15. 25 touches in this game if he's healthy and, yeah. and able. You know, he's probably going to yep. have 12 receptions and 14, 15 carries in this game. Mm-hmm. Maybe more because if they've got a lead. But um, I just, I look at and I go, McCaffrey is a type of player that is going to just feast on the way Seattle's defense has been playing recently. But the rest of the offense there, without a an experienced quarterback without um, Debo Samuel and um, the, you know, the weapons he's the best weapon that they've got. So, and he's not out there. Does the does the offense become one dimensional enough that Seattle can get extra bodies up and stop McCaffrey? Well, that's entirely up to Seattle. Yeah. If they can, if they do it, you know, and, and I think they can, I really do. Um, my problem is I don't know if Seattle can score points because uh, the no turnover or two would help. No, you know, well, and if, you got if you put the ball on the if you put the ball on the on the field, if you're San Francisco and Seattle recovers, if you um, you know if Woolen has an mm-hmm. interception, that really helps Seattle, yep. especially if you're in a shortened field situation to to be able to score. So. Gino's going to make some plays. He'll make some plays every week. Um, will he's it be been enough? making some mistakes. Yeah. Will it, be, will it be enough? Um, How many for, points do you expect Seattle to score if you're worried? 20? Less? Less. I mean, they've been scoring 26. I know, but they haven't been playing uh, this defense. They also haven't had the ball very much in the last couple of games. And you think they're going to have the ball a lot in this game? It doesn't seem like it logically, <laughs> but yes, I expect the the time of possession to be almost equal in this game. Okay, 
because I'm looking at this. I don't. I think it's going to be a really low scoring game. Like I think I I'm thinking that sixteen thirteen. An ugly game. Oof. Is going to be the score. You know, do the math there. That's a touchdown for each team, and then a bunch of field goals. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Seattle's <laughs> been a pretty decent red zone team. Not so much third down conversion team, but they're they've been holding teams to less points than they should based on the amount of yards and plays that uh, offenses have had against us. Mm-hmm. We've been averaging about three points less than they should be giving up. So they do stiffen up in the red zone. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. I think pride. The, the name of this game on Thursday is pride. Like how much pride does Seattle have? On we'll find out. Will and gut, it's gut check time. Mm-hmm. You stop the run, you, you've been embarrassed, you know, over and over again. And you've been called out by your own teammates to, to, to do something about it. So this is going to come down to a gut check and, I think Seattle's up to the task, but we'll find out. We'll find out. All right. So you've got a win or lose? A uh, loss. 16-13 San Francisco. I hate I hate that. I hate it. Picking San Francisco to win like just kills me a little bit. But they've got the better roster. That seems more realistic than me. I'm a little pie in the sky here, but I'm 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 holding on to my last vestiges of optimism. And uh, if they don't if they don't come through for me in this game, I'm, I'm probably gonna have to mail it in the rest of the year. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. Find Keith on Twitter at Myers NFL. You can find me at NWC Hawk. You can find the show and all that on your favorite podcast platforms and YouTube channel. We've got our own channel. We're on, other than this week, we're normally on three days, uh, three times a week. And uh, if you subscribe, you don't miss it. So until next time, go Hawks. Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NWSeahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.